my goodness, how do you follow that? That's the, that is the good news. That's, that's, the, that's Easter. <laughs> we, don't need, we, don't, we don't understand it as the church, but like that's, that, is what, that is the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again to, to judge the living and the dead and to bring new creation. It's really good news. Hey, I'm Brett. Um, you're welcome for the, welcomed for the last time. Joe will not welcome you. Um, welcome to New Life Manitou. Um, Easter's really good news. Stand with me as we hear from the scriptures. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then... The disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, as you came to Mary in this story, in gentleness, in a way that she could understand, in a way that brought her joy, Lord, would you come to us this day as you called her voice? Lord, we are listening for you to call our voices, for for you to call our names Lord, you are good and you are awesome. You've risen from the grave. It is empty because you are outside of it. And Lord, you are alive. So Lord, we praise you. We worship your holy name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Christ is risen. risen Christ is risen. 
Christ is risen. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is called Come and See. This seems to be the reaction of people that see the empty tomb, that see the resurrected Lord. They go out and they say, come and see this awesome thing. Come and see this miracle. This is our motto, our slogan at New Life Manitou. You might have seen that in the Manitou newspaper. You might have saw that. We have a sign out that says, come and see. This is our what we're saying around here. Just come and see and see that Christ has risen. So this is the first point of this message of a two-point sermon. Christ is risen. Let's look at this story. Let's engage it and just look at it. I, I, I think if you know me a little well, you would probably say I'm somewhat of a skeptical person. I'm not the, usually the, the first to fall for scams. I'm kind of skeptical. That's sometimes a good thing. Sometimes it could be a bad thing. And I remember, let me tell you a story. When I was a Boy Scout, uh, I did lots of years of Boy Scouts. And we would, kind of being a Boy Scout is you have new gear and you're showing off your gear. And this kid came in with a new jacket and he's showing it off saying it's the best jacket ever like look inside it's got an inside pocket we're like ooh, that's cool what are you gonna put in there dude that's cool and he was sharing about his jacket how cool it was and I just doubted that it was the best he was saying it was the warmest jacket in the world I was like what makes it so warm and he kind of muttered some nonsensical stuff and I wasn't I really wasn't attacking this kid I was just wanting to know like really what makes this thing so unique what makes it the best jacket ever and he said well it has microfiber and I was like microfiber doesn't that just mean small fibers like what's the big deal he said well it's space age technology and I was like what does that mean like anything made after the 50s or the 60s like this is nothing and I learned later the kid ran away he started crying he told the scout master and I got in trouble for making fun of the kid and his jacket and I had to apologize to this poor kid and it I hope I say this story for you to listen that if you come in here and you just have questions you're like I What's this story about? Who who is Jesus? I hope that this is a welcoming place for you. I hope that you will find the God that we believe in is bigger and big enough to answer any of your questions. Let's look at this story. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. So imagine it's still dark. I woke up this morning. Did anybody else wake up this morning while it was still dark? Oh, cool, a few hands, good. A 12 o'clock service, you kind of wonder sometimes. Oh, maybe just slept until 11.30. I don't know. I got up this morning while it was still dark, and I had the first thought I had when I woke up was imagining Mary going to the tomb and finding this empty tomb while it was still dark. John says Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. It doesn't say she was alone, but the other gospels say that Mary was accompanied by a few women. And either way, it's you, you going to the tomb while it's dark out, like, hello, is this not scary? to anybody else and you get to the tomb and and the body that's supposed to be in there is gone would you be freaked out Everybody in here would be freaked out and she's freaked out and she runs and gets the disciples. And this, these details of this story, all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record the story of the resurrection. It's the central story. Of course they do. And each of the stories tell this story. So my hands, the story, each of the gospels share four different perspectives of this story and the details they emphasize are all a little different. This makes for good historical storytelling, true storytelling. If you're listening for someone to, to lie, if you think someone's lying, there's things you can do to, to, to kind of ask them and probe them. I have four little boys. There's 
mischief that happens in my house every day. Let me, probably every hour, something's going on. The other day, it was like a bunch of wrappers were on the floor from a candy thing that they're not supposed to be into. And how, how did these wrappers get? Who's been eating the candy? So what I do as the investigator or the interrogator is I separate the suspects and I, I ask them questions individually. And what happened here? And I'm listening for inconsistencies in their stories so that I could, I could like, okay, so he was there, but you were over here. So how did that happen? Or I'm listening. I think they're, they've gotten good uh, at, at fibbing a little bit. Um, and they'll, they'll say, tell dad, if dad asks, you know, tell him this, this is what happened. So they'll fabricate and memorize a story. And it sounds something like, well, the candy just fell out of the cupboard. It's the weirdest thing. And it hit the ground and it flew out of their wrappers into our mouths. And we're just like, oh, God, the candy in our mouths. Like, yeah, right. It sounds memorized. It sounds made up. The gospel stories, all four of them, they don't sound like this. Each one has their own details. Each one, they give us this, this, this sense that this is historical knowledge. This is four different people writing down an eyewitness account or accounts that they've heard from eyewitnesses in the case of Luke that they are writing down to show us what has happened here. So Mary goes to the tomb. She sees it's empty. She goes to the disciples. They come running and we'll pick up the story in verse three. It says, so Peter and the other disciple, usually John refers to himself. I don't know why he did, but he refers to himself as the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And I've always heard this joke, uh, and I've told this joke as a preacher, that in the midst of John telling the greatest story ever told, he has to make note on who won the race. (laughs) It's him. Like, I just want everyone to know I I won the race. And that's... (laughs) We giggle, and I think it's I, they, that's one interpretation of the way John writes it. But he could be, in a serious matter, taking responsibility for the testimony. It's like, I got there first, and I saw the evidence as it was. I was the first one there after Mary got us, and I will stand as responsible for the truth. It says, he bent over and, and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Verse 6 says, and Simon Peter uh, came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw... And I'll talk about that word in a second. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So lots of details here about the cloths and where they were. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and he believed. So John just sees. And the word there in the Greek is this word blepo, which is just the word for see, the common word, like see, spot, run. It's just the common word. He goes in, he sees, and he just believes. Peter, on the other hand, he goes in, and the word that's used here in the Greek for the word saw is thereon, which are thereo. It's the Greek word for to hypothesize. We we get the, the word theorize from this Greek word. It means to observe intently, looking for an explanation. So Peter goes in, and I share this just to say, the, the Peter's trying to figure this out. If you are at all thinking like, oh, to come to church is just a bunch of people who have turned off their brains or just believing whatever someone says, that's not the case here. And I, I, that's not the case in this church. That's not the case with Peter who goes into this tomb and he's furiously trying to figure out like what has happened here. There was a dead body and that body is gone and the linens are in these specific places. He's trying to figure it out. Have you ever, has anybody ever thrown a surprise party for you? 
Anybody ever have a surprise? A couple of people. Uh, and has anybody ever figured out the surprise before it happened? Like you knew, you knew, I see your hands. You knew what was going on. I, th- I think Peter was like that in the tomb. He's like figuring out like something's not right here. Why is everybody acting weird? Why does everybody want to know where I am? Why is somebody trying to get me out of the house? What is going on here? Peter's trying to figure this out. If robbers took the body, why would they unwrap Jesus? Why would they, why would they take the time to do that? Why would there would be a smell? That would be, why would they do that? If, if other people, like believers, other believers in Jesus came in to take the body, why would they dishonor the body by unwrapping it? And why were the linens placed as if they were just here when, and Jesus just disappeared? Who in the world could have moved that, that stone that was from the entrance of the tomb? It must have taken an army. And speaking of armies, what about the Roman army that was stationed at the tomb to make sure no one came in? What about the Peter's trying to figure all this out and he comes to the conclusion that Jesus must have rose from the grave. So don't turn off your brains this morning. Think about this. I invite you to look into this. If tomorrow when the mail comes you get a piece of mail and it looks official. It says some, from some law office. You haven't heard of the law office. And it says you, you have a, a distant relative. You've never heard of this relative, but maybe it kind of sounds familiar. You have a relative that's just passed away and there's an inheritance left for you and you look at the bottom of the letter and there's the amount of money that the, the inheritance is and you're just like, whoa, it's like I won the lottery. Wow, like, like there's a lot of scams out there. This, so this isn't like an email blast to everyone in the world. This isn't one of those phone calls that you pick up and it's like a pre-recorded message. You're like, you've won a million dollars and you just hang up the phone. This is so stupid, these things. What are they, who's doing this anyways? Or uh, it's not like a letter asking you to send $500 to release the other money and you have to send the check to Nairobi, Kenya or to India. It's like, that would be ridiculous. No, that would be an instant scam. But this letter that you get tomorrow it looks legit. There's no reason to, to question it. It just kind of looks legit. Every single one of us, everyone in here, myself included, we would take the next step. This offer is too good. Like we would take the next step. We would contact them. We would look them up on the internet. We would take the next step to figure this out. And that's what I'm inviting you to do this morning. Just take the next step. Think about it. Figure this out. Is this what happened? These, these eyewitnesses of the resurrection are proclaiming something awesome. Jesus' body was dead. He was in the grave. Now he's risen. And then he appears to people. And they are then willing to die for that knowledge. These people like Peter and John, they are willing. They believe it's true so much that they are willing to, to go to their own deaths because they know this to be true. And one more point here is that I think a lot of people will just say that, oh, this is just a nice message. This is just a, an ethereal, like uh, people have this, uh, this phrase, I've heard it before, I'm not making fun of the phrase, but uh, you see the brightest stars when it's the darkest outside. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, the Jesus dying in the tomb and getting raised again. It's just this, you know, this message that, you know, truth will prevail, goodness will prevail, that maybe Jesus died, but his truth lives on and his teachings live on and just a general, like people will nod their head and say, this is just a nice message. And that's not an option for this. This is these, these details and what is being told to us in the gospel 
is that this is presented to us as truth. This is being presented to us as this is actually what happened. This is not Jesus as a ghost appearing to people in a dream. This is not like someone saying, oh, the the spirit of Jesus came and he spoke to my spirit. No, like Jesus came and he ate a meal with some of these disciples. He allowed Thomas, the great doubter, to touch him, to put his hand in the side and fingers. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says that Jesus appeared at one time to more than 500 brothers and sisters. And this is about maybe 30 years after Jesus had died. And Paul adds in, he says, and some of these people are still alive today. Like, go talk to them. If if you're doubting this, if you don't think that happened, go talk to them. Some of these people are still alive today. So Jesus appears to people. The second point is this, and it's the, the, the second of two points. Jesus is gently appearing to us. How Jesus appears to Mary is like a metaphor, a paradigm for how he continually appears to us even today. This story is ongoing. He continues to change lives and change hearts. He continues to meet with us and be with us. And how Jesus appears to Mary is, is gently. He's not like a Superman character. Um, you know, when, when Superman appears, it's always like in this big show and there's bad guys and good guys and he beats up the bad guys. There's this scene in the movie, someone told me it's from Star, uh, Superman Returns, where a plane is about to crash. It just so happens that the plane's going to crash into a stadium full of people. Who comes along? dun 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 it's Superman and he takes the plane and he sets it down in the middle of the stadium and everyone's like, yay, this is awesome, Superman. That's not what Jesus does. That's not how he appears to Mary in this situation. And this is maybe a metaphor for how he appears to us. So the story picks up with the disciples, Peter and John, they check out the tomb and they go back, not sure how long they were there, but they leave. Mary stays. Verse 11 says, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she went back to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. Wow, right? Angels. They ask her, women, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there. She did not realize that it was Jesus. So here's Jesus the one who she saw die, and he's standing right there talking to her, but she doesn't quite see it. She doesn't recognize him, and who would? You know, you see someone die, you don't expect them to be standing behind you, and even more so, like, she, she doesn't recognize, he's, he's got a new body, a resurrected body, which is, by the way, our great hope that after death, Christ will raise us just like he was raised from the grave with a brand new body, and so he says to her, women, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, which is a very weird thing to think, but she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go get him. And Jesus says to her, her name. He says to her, Mary. And she recognizes. She turns to him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Think about this, how Jesus appears to her Asking her questions, entering into her own grief and, and, and not, ta-da, I'm here, let me stop this plane. No, he appears to her where she is at and says, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And then he calls her by name. 
Are you listening this morning for your name to be called by Jesus? As we were worshiping, that's, that's this thought that just kept, kept coming back for me, for myself. Am I listening for the Lord? Am I, am I quiet enough in my soul and am I engaged enough with the Lord? Are we listening for the Lord to call our, our names Annie Dillard, this, uh, she's a Christian, she's a Pulitzer-winning author. She says this, that I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until the moment that I was lifted and then struck. That's what Mary does. She becomes a bell, proclaiming the truth. She says, come and see. I have seen the Lord. He has appeared to me, and it is awesome. And he was dead, and now he is alive. This is no longer just a past event of something that has happened. This is something that is continuing to happen. Jesus is risen, and the whole world rejoices. Jesus is risen, and he's trampling down death by his death, and he's He's making us new creations, and this is a wonderful thing, and it's great. Uh, a man who I respect, his name is Tim Keller. He's a, he's a pastor in New York City. He speaks to a lot of skeptics. He's kind of an apologist. In fact, some of the things I've said in this sermon were just direct. I just took it and copied it and basically said it to you. I really respect <laughs> this guy. Um, he says that Christians, people, become Christians for three reasons, Christians, people become Christians for three reasons. First, the faith that it takes to doubt Christianity, the faith that it takes to doubt it, the problems we have without it, and the beauty we see within it. I'll say it again, it's, it's wonderful. It's Tim Keller saying why people become Christians, the faith that it takes to doubt it, the problems we have without it, and the beauty we see within it. Jesus says that... Um, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That's a bold claim. He goes on to claim that he's God. I and the Father am one. The Gospel of John begins with uh, the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word was with God and the word was God. The Gospels proclaim that Jesus made these statements that he was God and that he was dying for the sins of the world. Those are huge claims. And people will often just kind of say, oh, Jesus was a good teacher. And they'll kind of end it with that. And that does, that's not really an option here for the, what the Gospels present. Jesus can't be just a good teacher because what he taught was that he was God and that he was dying for the sins of the world. If what he taught was good, then that's what he taught. And it, it, it's C.S. Lewis' argument, some of you are familiar with this, that Jesus could not be anything other than a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. If he was a liar, he couldn't just be a good teacher because he taught that he was God. So that would make him a liar if that wasn't true. Or if he believed it, that would make him a lunatic. Or he was who he said he was. He was the Lord. And the faith that takes to doubt Christianity. Think about all over the world, people today and, and this season are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Think about the teachings of this man. Think about the claims that people saw him after he had died. That makes this Christian religion different than every other religion ever, that Jesus didn't just die and, and was buried and that was the end of him, but Jesus died, was buried and rose on the third day. At the end of this service, we're going to take communion and then we're going to have people up here to pray for whatever uh, you need prayer for. It's part of our tradition at New Life Manitou. 
And one of the things I would like you to come down is if you would say, yeah, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Then come down and, and, and share that. And next week we're going to have a baptism service with people that have, that have dedicated their lives to the one that created them. This is just a part of that. Baptism is the next step. But this day is, is a day where we celebrate that, that Jesus was dead and then rose from the grave and he has conquered all things. He has even conquered death. Would you bow your head with me? Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we come before you and you are the one who appears to us like you appeared to Mary, gently. Lord, we're listening to you. We're listening for our names to be called You've risen from the grave and this is the great hope that we have as Christians that one day, even after our own death, you will call us and we will rise from the grave. We will have new, awesome, recreated, holy bodies just like you were resurrected from the grave. Lord, you are the great shepherd and we we trust in you in this life to shepherd us. And Lord, you're the only one who has been to death and uh, truly dead for days and then come up out of that. And so Lord, we trust you that, that in the end, you will give us new bodies just like you did for yourself. You are God, fully God and fully human. You are the one who takes the sin of the world away and we worship you, Lord. We praise your name. And God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna say together this prayer. It's to prepare ourselves for communion. It's to say to God that we're, we're not worthy, but the Lord will make us worthy. Would you pray this with me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will, walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen.